Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today we are discussing the new Thai BL drama series called A Thousand Stars that is being released through GMM TV. I had the pleasure of watching the series 14 hours after it premiered and have to say it exceeded all my expectations. I have been looking forward to this series for quite a while since I found out about it because of who is starring in it. I really like the main acting cast and I have to say it exceeded every expectation for the premiere. I was really hesitant after Tan Han Chanlati about GMM TV because I just haven't been impressed with the most recent work they've done simply because it's been really kind of depressing overall. Although I do have to say the last three episodes of Tan Han Chanlati were great. The rest of it was an absolute total letdown. And I was really hoping that they didn't screw up a thousand stars because they had this on their basically history list. However, they did not. A Thousand Stars is absolutely awesome. It is the story of Tian and Pupa. And I might be mispronouncing that name. I'm sorry. We're going to call him Chief because that's what he wants to be called in the first episode. But anyway, it opens up with Tian being the narrator and basically saying that he assumed that life was kind of a gamble, that you live once and that's kind of it. And if you're lucky, you get to live again. Tian's life is what many people would consider, I don't know, they'd be kind of jealous of it because he really doesn't have any responsibility. He just spends his days gambling and drinking, which I don't think is a very enviable position, but you know, some people would. And he also likes racing his cars. Um, what happens is Tian has a heart condition, so he's not expected to live very long because he does have an inflamed heart. I'm guessing in the storyline, he's probably about 24-ish. I'm not good with ages, especially when it comes to Asian characters, because they look a lot younger than they are sometimes. But he ends up one night um, losing a very expensive watch in a gambling um, exchange. And then he decides to go and race this person who he lost to. As he's racing his car, he ends up hitting this woman who got off a bus to go spend some time with her aunt, who's a really horrible person. And she's trying to pick up a picture of this person. You don't know who it is. You just know it's probably her boyfriend who looks to be like a soldier. And she's trying to pick it up off the road because it fell out of her journal. As she's picking it off the road, she ends up getting hit by the car. Um, we then pan out and we're left to assume that it was Tien who hit her. And when he had that car crash, his heart went to critical condition. It, it was inflamed. It just, yeah. And so they're desperately looking to get a heart transplant. They end up getting a heart transplant from the organ don donor group that is the heart of the woman he hit. And he wakes up in this weird state where he is kind of in this dark area. And I think this is my favorite scene in the entire show. Maybe it's going to be my favorite scene in the series. I'm really not sure yet. And he sees this woman there and he sees her and I think she has a lantern and she keeps reappearing like close to him, far from him, etc. 
And he's like, what are you trying to say? What's going on? He's not scared of her. He just can't figure out what her message is. And she puts her hand on where his heart would be. And she says, take care of it for me. And then he bumps backward because she did press against his chest. So he steps back against that. And he hits this soldier dude and he's going, what is going on here? He's like, I don't know why I'm in this dark place. I don't know why she's saying to take care of this. And who is this other person? He then wakes up and he finds out that he had a heart transplant because his heart was too far gone. And his mom and dad are just glad he's alive. And he keeps having these reoccurring episodes where he's like looking in the mirror at himself or looking in a window reflection at himself and he instead sees this woman the one thing i think was really cool about this series is the guy they got to play his character and the woman they got to play her character could have passed her brother and sister they have very similar facial features which i thought was kind of cool and he keeps having these reoccurring i don't know what you call them like visions and he cannot figure out why he tries to look into who his heart is from. He's assuming it's from a woman because that's who keeps showing up in these weird visions. And no one will give him a straight answer. They'll just say, you know, we can't disclose that information. He ends up basically kind of at home with his parents and they won't really let him go anywhere. They sold his car. He doesn't know that why. He does not know that he killed somebody with his vehicle by accident. And he's just trying to figure out what's going on and he feels a little trapped in his current situation because he's not really allowed to go out or visit with his friends um he does go out one night for drinks with his friends he ends up just drinking water and he ends up leaving because he just can't handle it as they ask him you know what does it feel like to have someone else's heart in you and he's like you know i don't know what to say to that and i don't know what to say to the question of don't you wish you knew who it was and so he ends up going home early and his parents, his dad's just kind of disappointed in him for quite honestly good reasons. But I don't think you should ever be disappointed in your children. I mean, yeah, they could do things that make it, you know, a little twitchy. But that doesn't mean that they've disappointed you. It just means they're going through a hard time. So anyway, I'm just saying. But anyway, his dad is disappointed in him, makes it very clear that he is. <laughs> and um Tian doesn't really know what to do with this, and he's really kind of just troubled by the whole situation. He ends up going to his dad's office one night and finding the documentation that has the woman's name on it, who gave him his heart. The other thing I think is really wrong about the parents in this series is, number one, I think they really should have told him what he did when he was driving that night. I don't think, you know, just because he had a heart situation and woke up with a new heart, you should keep them the fact that, you know, he did kill somebody when he was driving that car. He needs to know what happened. It's not like he's a kid. This guy's at least probably 24 years old. He needs to know what he did and he needs to know what happened. Not because like, oh, look what you did. But so he knows the reasoning behind why his parents are so concerned about things and also why they sold his car. I mean, you know, this is pretty good, you know, reasons, but he needs to know why. The other thing is, I don't think it was any of their right to not disclose to him who the heart came from if they knew. I mean, no offense. I'm like, you know, he needs to know that too. <laughs> so anyway, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable telling your kid that, you know, you have the heart of the person you hit in the car crash probably isn't the easiest thing to do, 
But is it the thing that probably should have been done unequivocally? Yeah. Um, there is also a scene where Chief goes to the funeral of the woman he loved who died and whose heart Tian now has. And he's sitting there with two of his basically associates. And he's like, you know, I don't think I'll ever forgive the person who did this. I don't think I could ever do that. And what's interesting is at the end of the series, what happens, I think, and again, I don't know as I haven't seen the whole series, is he ends up actually not just forgiving the person who killed his girlfriend. He actually ends up starting a new life with the person who killed his girlfriend. And, you know, in that situation, I think it was probably in a weird, crazy way, a bit of a redemption of everything that happened that was terrible for both parties. Um, Tien ends up finding out the name of the person who saved him with their heart and Googles her. Um, there's a very interesting scene where he's a little afraid to hit the enter button for the Googling because he doesn't know if he really wants to know where his heart came from and what all that could mean because he knows it's probably going to change his life forever, I think. Um, he finds out she was a volunteer teacher in a remote border village in Thailand, and he decides by the end of this episode to go to that village to start teaching there. And he actually leaves his home that is very luxurious and ends up going to live in this hut. Um, and the other thing about this is he has never done any teaching. So this is going to be quite interesting as the story progresses to kind of figure out how that's going to work out. Also, he ends up meeting Chief, who when he meets him, he can't figure out when he was at a very elite party during this first episode, he happened to have someone brush past him. And that was actually Chief, who was there at that same building for another reason. And he couldn't figure out what made him stop. Because when he went to go look up, he had a phone call at the same point in time. So he was looking at his phone. And by the time he looked up, that person had disappeared. But he was like, who was that that just went past me? And why did I have this pause in my myself that made me go, who's going past me? It kind of reminds me of the Bible story where, um, what is it? The woman with the issue of blood where um, Jesus is sitting there and a woman walks past him and she, and he goes, excuse me, but who touched me? And Peter goes, well, you know, everybody's touching you. So, you know, how are we supposed to know? And he goes, no, 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 no. This is different. Who touched me? But anyway, I feel that kind of the same way with Tian and Chief here in this scene, but he's like, who is this person? Why am I feeling this way? And what in the heck is going on? So I think the reason Tian decided to go be a volunteer teacher is he's trying to figure out what's going on, why he keeps having these weird visions. And he thinks that maybe by going to the place where the donor lived, he will be able to find out the answers. He also got her journal, which says basically a thousand stars. It's of a legend in that village, I believe. And I'm not quite sure as we don't know the whole story at this point in time, but I think if you can count a thousand stars by the end of the year on a special day, then you'll find the love you're looking for. And she was trying to count the thousand stars and hopefully end up with Chief, which of course didn't work out because she died. But, um, you know, so he's trying to figure this out. He ends up at the village. Um, his first interaction is he sees Chief and he actually passes out. Now, the reason he passes out is he's not used to exercise because of his heart condition that he's had. 
So he's just had a big trek too, but he also is going, oh my goodness, this is the guy who's in those weird visions I had. And this is the guy who's in that photograph that's in this book. What in the heck is this about? And he actually passes out. He's like, I don't know what's going on here. And this is really freaky. So anyway, he passes out. Um, Chief catches him because he's going to fall otherwise. And Chief's like, why does this feel strange? And why does this person feel familiar in certain ways? You can tell it's going through his head. I really like the actor who plays Chief. Um, I like him in Theory of Love and in this one really a great deal. I have never watched um, Waterboy. That's not going to happen, folks. <laughs> and I understand from what I've heard about that, that I would absolutely loathe his character in that. So I'm not considering his acting based on that series. I really know very little about it, except that that's a very kind of sick relationship between those two in the in that Waterboy series. And so I'm just basing that on the fact that he was great in Theory of Love and also that he is absolutely great in this show. I would prefer that we don't have the characters pass out in one another's arms. I mean, no offense, that's like so cliche by this point in time. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Asian drama, Western drama, it's like, do we really have to have people pass out? But I do have to say in this situation, I can see a character having a bit of a moment where they're like, oh my goodness, I've seen this person before. Why am I seeing this person again? And what in the heck is going on? So anyway, Tien then wakes up because Chief took him into the hut that is the teacher's um, home and made sure that he had a comfortable place to lay down and just kind of let him sit there and watched over him till he woke up, which was several hours later. When he wakes up, Chief basically, instead of, you know, when they met the first time initially and he passed out, there was no animosity between them. If anything, they're going, why do we feel comfortable with this person? But when they wake up, Chief is like on super guard because he doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. And Tian is on super guard because he too does not know how to deal with his emotions. Um, this leads them both to be kind of have animosity toward one another, I would say. And by the end of this meeting, um, Chief heads over to his house, which is next door, I believe, to Tian's teacher cabin. And Tian is kind of being cranky toward him. Chief's being cranky toward him. And, you know, they're just doing their little to each other. Um, the one thing is, is when he's immediately told about Chief, um, the one of the villagers says, you know, Everyone thinks Chief is maybe tough and a little rude, but really, he's quite kind. And it's not as you would expect when you first meet him. But Tian ends up kind of going, yeah, and he goes, and Chief goes, yeah, and they're kind of having this little back and forth crankiness toward one another. And, you know, I, I'm reminded of Jane Austen's quote, general incivility is the very essence of love. I really don't think that's true. But, you know, in their case, I think it's the only way they could really handle the awkward situation that they were in at that moment. And they didn't want to deal with the topics of why are you so freaking familiar? And why did you appear in my dream? And why are you here now? I mean, this isn't exactly something that you bring up, you know, over your first cup of coffee with someone. I'm just saying. So it was awkward. Um, Tian, after Chief leaves, ends up setting his floor on fire because he tries to grab at a candle and the candle tips onto the floor and he's sitting there going, do I try to 
brush it out with this blanket or will that make it worse? I mean, Tian has no knowledge of how to survive in the wild. I mean, he's sitting there going, what do I do? Also, he has the heart condition, which makes it rather difficult for him to function like a normal person would simply because he isn't used to um, general labor like most people are. So he's sitting there going, oh my, my house is on fire. What do I do? So he actually ends up calling. Chief comes right over and throws the a water um, watering can of water over Tian and over the fire. And Tian's like, you know, you could have just put the fire out without putting my mattress and me um, completely wet too, because they were in different areas. And Chief's like, you know, I took care of it. It is not my fault if you have a wet bed because you lit your house on fire. Okay. You can sleep or you can stay awake. I really don't care. I'm going to my house now. And I do like Chief's kind of like, you know, I saved you from the fire, but I'm done now. I'm going to go have my nap. If you don't want a nap, that's fine, but I'm not going to, you know, deal with this. So that's kind of how this first episode concludes. I really, really like this episode. I was like, this is the perfect pilot. And I can honestly say I have never seen one series except for Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman that had an absolutely perfect pilot. This series did. So that's like one out of probably almost a hundred series that I've watched over the course of my lifetime. And honestly, it really did. So this series, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it progresses. I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. I love the idea of the fact that, you know, um, there's a lot of people that think that the seat of emotions rests in the heart. Some cultures believe it rests in the kidneys. I personally don't think it rests in either, but you know, it's a nice thought. And I think it's kind of interesting that the heart that cared for one person because it belonged to them has to somehow find its way back to them. I think that's kind of an interesting concept. I also think it's it's typical of Thai drama in the fact that it's really not about anything but care. And what I mean by that is I'm really not into how we genre-specific BL drama outside of every other drama, because quite frankly, I think it kind of limits the viewership and also makes it so that people who would maybe watch these dramas won't because they go, oh, it's a BL. It's going to be like, why are you? Or it's going to be like, you know, all those ones with the cheesy sound effects and the weird, you know, comedy routines. And I don't mean that bad against BL drama. I'm simply saying people, when they hear the word BL, tend to think of that. Instead of thinking of, you know, it's really just a drama that happens to have two guy characters in it. Okay, moving on. But the thing I think that this drama really brings out is that whole theory of it's really about where the heart belongs. In this case, it's like when Tian has that vision, it's like, take care of it for me. You have to take care of it for me. And I think that's kind of what this series is going to move forward with. And I really like that idea. Again, you know, everyone can say the feelings rest in the heart, feelings rest in the kidneys. Really, quite frankly, I don't think they rest either place. I think, you know, they rest in your thoughts, wherever those rest. And, you know, I think it's interesting in um, some belief systems. I think it's in Judaism, actually. They believe that, you know, every night when you go to sleep, you have a cloud that raises above your head where your thoughts and your soul rest. I think this is very interesting because it's really hard to determine where the seat of emotions is, where the seat of your thoughts is, because, you know, if you didn't have your thoughts and your emotions, you would not be you. 
I mean, you would be your body, you would be your physicality, but you would lack your personality. You wouldn't have your memory bank. You wouldn't have your soul, as it were. And, you know, a lot of people say that mind and soul are different things. And really, I'm not here to go on to a huge theological discussion. But I am here to say, you know, the idea of your thoughts and your feelings are kind of in this intrinsic aura about you is a really cool concept. And I think that the thing is about this series is it's really about the aura of that spirit or of that care and that care transcending death, that care transcending boundaries that would normally make it impossible for that care to move forward. I think that's what I like best about this series is the fact that the care continues even though the person has passed on because that care was meant to be there for that other party. And in the end, that heart was meant to be with that other person. And, you know, if it didn't work out the first time around, it has to work out the second or third or fourth or however this is going to play out. And I think that's kind of an interesting concept. I have not read the book this is based off of. I am really looking forward to trying to find an English translation of it. I actually watched a video last night from one of my favorite um, reviewers. I'm actually trying to pull that up, peeps, if you'll just bear with me here. Let me see. Just a moment. <laughs> This is one of my absolutely favorite YouTube channels for if I'm trying to find out good information on BL drama. I love the way this person thinks. They think um, they have a lot of similar tastes to my own in BL drama. They also have the same problems with certain BL drama that I have in, you know, like why Water By isn't one that I'm ever going to watch. Why, you know, I don't like certain things in BL drama because there are serious issues with certain aspects of certain things, in my personal opinion. I'm just trying to find their little review here, if you'll bear with me, peeps. I put it in my liked videos. How do I find those on YouTube? Okay, I'm going to go here because I left a comment. Okay, I'm going to go right here. But anyway... This was on the YouTube video called... Give it to me now! Hey, yep, just a minute. Okay, didn't mean to have that play. Okay, it's called Ranking Upcoming BLs of 2021. This is by the YouTuber B-Y-U-L-S-A-R-A-N-G. It's one of my favorite YouTubers because she will go in and rank like the BLs of 2020. Quite frankly, I'm usually right there with her on or him, I don't know, on everything that they say. Um, they did a new one called Ranking Upcoming BLs of 2021. It is a fabulous video. I will say I don't really like the big noisy stuff at the beginning, which I'm sure is a clip from a movie or series that I have no idea about. But the thing I really liked about her movie reviews here of the 2021 is she discussed, you know, what are the top ones that are coming up? Um, they too do not like mafia related BLs. So that's something else I share in common because there's some new mafia related BLs that are coming out here in 2021, which I just really don't get that style. And they also discussed, you know, why they were looking forward to thousand stars. Um, one of the reasons is, is I guess that the book that it is based off of is absolutely fantastic. They also helped me realize, you know, 
I'm not really into BL novels. And the reason being is there's a lot of scenes that I just consider absolutely inappropriate that I don't think we should have in writing or in film. And those tend to be sometimes appearing in BL novels. And so I'm like, you know, for someone who mainly reads nonfiction engineering books, this isn't really a good fit for me. So they were discussing how if you have trouble with those kind of novels, um, certain ones like the Together With Me series, apparently those books, they're like two of those novels. And also there's one called Fish in the Sky, I believe, which they're making the new drama series out of. They do not include that kind of um, material in those books, I believe, from what they were saying. I'm still a little unclear. But so I was actually thinking about buying the Together With Me, the two novels, so I could read them this the spring, summer. I don't read very much, so it'll probably be summer, maybe autumn. But anyway, I was like, you know, maybe those two would be okay and they wouldn't have the, what I consider, adult-rated content that we really don't need to have in any books. And so that kind of gave me some reassurance that me spending like the equivalent of eight to ten US dollars on that book isn't going to be a huge bummer for me. And um, also they mentioned that this there's a book that The Thousand Stars is based off of, which is absolutely beautiful. And I'm going to really try to find that. I don't speak Thai very fluently. I can watch a movie in Thai and understand general topics, but I really can't speak it. And me trying to read it is going to be an absolutely dreadful thing because I really don't understand that there are five tones and like 74 alphabet characters. So it's going to take me a while to master that language. And speaking is a lot easier than reading or writing. But the thing that I really do like about her videos is she typically pegs down line by line, very linear. And again, it could be a he, I don't know, because they use an automated voice. But they are absolutely amazing channel. Now, the intros to the videos are a little awkward. I really don't get why we have the huge, like this one where it said, give it to me. I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. But once you get past that initial part, they really have some fabulous material there that really kind of breaks down different topics. They also have ones on like basically top pet peeves of BL and why they don't like certain things. I am absolutely right there with them on everything that's in those from, you know, things that show up in different series like Waterboy, the Thon type series, um, things that we don't care cover, What the Duck, for example. There are some things in those series that I just don't feel are good to basically purport or be a proponent for. And they really talk about those. They break it down and say, you know, why we shouldn't be discussing it in this manner. Um, they also brought up, there's a new series coming out here called Lovely Writer. Um, that one looks really interesting um, because it does discuss, you know, basically the, the, I don't know how to put this, but the soiling that happens to people's names, because I guess sometimes in the BL dramas, if there is an acting couple that decides to become a real couple in real life, the fandom of that series will actually try to tear them apart and make their lives absolutely freaking miserable. And I kind of, I kind of expected that, but I really don't, I mean, I think we need to discuss this topic in great detail because I think there's kind of a toxic level to a lot of the fangirl stuff that happens with these series. Again, Anna really doesn't understand that because I've never been a fan of anything. I mean, I will sit there and go, I think this movie is great quality. I think the actors are fabulous, but that doesn't mean that I sit there and go fangirl them or whatever. That, that just doesn't make sense because I'm going, 
they're actors. This is what they do for a living. This is how, you know, they, they buy their bread and butter or their porridge, you know. Um, I'm not trying to be weird here, folks. I'm just saying they have to make a living. This is what they do. And these are the opportunities that have presented themselves. So I really don't understand the fangirl thing, but the thing I did think was really cool about this video that they did was they brought up the toxic nature of some of the social things, some of the fan things that can happen through this lovely writer series that's coming up. Um, it also stars the character, the actor who played, I believe, Korn in Until We Meet Again. So I think that's going to be quite interesting. And I think it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, how they handle the toxicity that can occur on social media, on, you know, in a relationship because these two people do want to be together in real life. And in real life, people aren't supportive of that, although they're perfectly fine with it in a video series. So I think this is kind of an interesting concept. And I'm also hoping it will maybe make it so that people see how dangerous and wrong it is to treat people poorly for any reason, but especially for, you know, I figure if you find somebody who is a good fit and you guys are happy together and make the world a better place, then why not be supportive of that instead of trying to tear it down and make everybody's life miserable? I mean, no offense. I'm like, it's hard enough to, you know, be around somebody who's a good fit. I think we should just be supportive of that. So anyway, but that is my review of A Thousand Stars Episode 1. I'm going to drop a link in the description so you guys can watch it with English subs, peep. It is absolutely awesome. I cannot recommend this series highly enough. So with that, on and out. Check it at the round table. Bye!